Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 35 of the Tick Bootcamp podcast. The title of today's interview is The Game Changer Part 3, an interview with Dr. Bill Rawls. My name is Richard Johannesson. And I'm Matt Sabatello. Inspired by Scottish guest Donna Grant, we went back to the archives and we pulled out some of the footage we had from Dr. Bill Rawls, and we created a three-part marathon. And today is the third part of the three-part Bill Rawls Marathon. One of the things I really enjoyed about Dr. Rawls's book, Unlocking Lyme, is that he used various metaphors to discuss topics that he taught. And one of the things you and he talked about was one of his famous metaphors. Dr. Rawls discusses his boiling over theory and how it relates to Lyme disease and chronic Lyme disease. Now, another thing I found to be interesting about this portion of the interview was your discussion with Dr. Rawls about the opportunistic nature of the Lyme bacteria. Dr. Rolls and I get into a discussion about Lyme disease and how it's an opportunistic bacteria. You and Dr. Rolls had another really powerful discussion about the errors that traditional doctors are making when treating autoimmune diseases with steroids. Dr. Rolls and I discuss autoimmune symptoms from Lyme disease and the misuse of steroids to treat those symptoms. Finally, the last topic you and he talked about was the use of hypothermia. That's right. So Dr. Rolls and I discuss hyperthermia as a potential treatment for Lyme disease. All right, Matt. So why don't we now cut to the interview with Dr. Bill Rolls. Dr. Rolls, you described the pot boiling over theory in your book. Can you please describe it here for our listeners? Well, it's, um, you know, like I said, everybody gets bitten by insects in their life. You know, we pick up mycoplasma. We pick up all of the different microbes. Um, during our lifetime, and if our immune system gets disrupted or it starts aging out, these things start to thrive. So you've got Epstein-Barr and CMV and a whole host of other viruses, but it's much, much, much bigger than that. I think we're just scratching the surface. So when you talk about this microbiome of 20 to 40,000 different species and now understanding that we've got a microbiome of the brain that we all do. Um, you know, if you've got a microbiome of the brain, you've got a microbiome of your joints and liver and muscles and, and heart and everywhere else in your body. So all of these things, you've got normal flora, but you've got things on the fringes. Um, and granted, some are worse than others and is a little bit luck of the draw, what you pick up in your lifetime, but it's a spectrum of microbes So anytime you're talking about a chronic infection associated with immune dysfunction, you're always talking about a situation where everything, all the potential of pathogens, their their aggression is starting to be unleashed and they are starting to thrive. So what are they wanting? Well, they're going to generate inflammation to get at food sources, to get nutrients. you got to ask, what do the microbes want? They all want nutrients. They all want resources to survive. Every microbe in our body. So, and, and so if your immune system isn't working properly, those things are going to start to thrive. And that's what chronic illness is all about. So it's not just one microbe. So when you start, when you look at these things that I call stealth microbes, all right? I, I, about six months ago, I sat down and said, okay, how much do we know? What can I pull out? And I, I found I was able to define over a hundred species of different microbes that have these characteristics of living inside cells. They're intracellular. They grow slowly. 
They typically don't cause acute infection, but they can be associated with chronic infection and they can cause symptoms that would be similar to Lyme disease. They're what I call a pot boiling over symptoms. Um, I, I listed well over 100 species of microbes and I think that's just scratching the surface. So I think we all have these things and that is what disease is all about. A lot of our guests can identify a trigger that started the downward spiral of their health. And once your immune system becomes weak, opportunistic bacteria like Lyme flourishes and you have to rebuild your immune system. Is that correct? Yep, yep. Um, and, you know, and sometimes we can't isolate specific microbes, but most of the time it's a lot of microbes. And, you know, and I, I just had a, a recent experience that really that hit home. Um, have you all ever heard of toxoplasma? Uh, no, actually. Okay. Well, if you like to eat meat that is not always cooked well, you probably have it. Toxoplasma is a protozoa that lives inside cells. Um, it's, uh, you can get it from cats. A lot of people that have cats have been exposed to toxoplasma, but you also get it from eating undercooked meat. It's very common. Um, gets in your system, and you don't hear about it as long as your immune system is strong. All right? Um, so toxoplasma is uh, it, it, it infects different cells in the body, but it has a little bit of a preference for the neurological system. Um, it's been associated with schizophrenia, depression, a whole range of things, big time to schizophrenia. Um, but so it can affect brain functions. And we found that, you know, when we look at our psychological diseases, a lot of these things are tied to microbes. So toxoplasma is uh, is present in 60% of the world's population. You cannot, this has been proven, you cannot eradicate it from the body with antibiotics. If you have a local infection, you can knock it down and get rid of that localized infection, but you won't eradicate it from the body. So about a year ago, my 84-year-old father developed a chronic infection of the left eye. And he came, you know, and he, and he went to the doctor and they treated him and he told me about it. And I said, that's interesting. And I said, you know, where do you think you got it? He said, well, they don't know. I knew. He loved eating raw meat. He always ate his steak rare. Um, so he probably had it his whole life. So they treated him. The, the eye infection got a bit better. But about three months later, he started having more problems in that eye. So they tapped the fluid in the eye, and they found he had a B-cell lymphoma in the eye, like three months after they had treated the toxoplasma. I looked in the research and found that there's a direct tie between toxoplasma and this specific B-cell lymphoma, along with Epstein-Barr virus. Very interesting. And they said, well, we think it's probably just that eye. Um, I just, it's just a rare thing. That's what it is. I didn't believe it. I thought he had it throughout his system. Um, I tried to get him on herbal therapy, but he wasn't a big believer. It ended up that he started having problems in the left eye. They tapped that eye, found that he had the lymphoma. I, at that point, thought he probably had it throughout his system. 
but they did scans and said, oh, we don't see any disease. It must be isolated to your eyes. I didn't believe that. They did radiation for the eyes. It did get better, but within a month or two, he started having some pretty significant problems, and um, I just watched him go downhill. And he uh, and this and it was throughout his body, throughout his nervous system, but and he passed away about three weeks ago. So sorry. Oh well, he had a great life. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't don't want to be a doubter about it, but he had a great life. And it's an interesting example that when watching this process, I watched his body change in the last few weeks of his life and it wasn't the tumor i could tell he had microbes thriving throughout his body he started puffing up he lost his strength Um, they put him on steroids to decrease some of the symptoms of the pressure from some of the tumors in the brain Um, and that allowed his immune system that shut his immune system down and i could just see and everything started going wrong after he started on the steroids. Um, and it was because they were suppressing his immune system, so all the microbes, all these pathogens in his body started thriving. Hmm. So the, the, the moral of the story is you got to have a healthy immune system. And, um, you know, at 84, his immune cells had aged out. And so these things started thriving. So it, it, it was kind of a powerful story that hit home to just watch this whole thing and really understand exactly what was going on. It was kind of crazy. It was almost surreal. A lot of the people we speak with suffering from chronic Lyme exhibit potential autoimmune-like symptoms and are also treated with steroids. What treating Lyme with steroids does is further suppress the immune system, and they make you even sicker in the long run. Isn't that correct? It is a terrible thing to do, and I've actually had several patients who were seeing rheumatologists um, that had that response. One of them actually died just from the steroids, Um, and it's not uncommon. It's just a really bad thing to do. Having said that, you know, sometimes steroids are necessary. There is a place, and and I truly, you've heard me say a lot about drugs and and some things that might not sound very positive about the medical community and what we do, I truly believe that there's a place for every drug that's ever been made. I think there's a lot of value in in drugs, and and they've taken us a long way in the 20th and now the 21st century, but we overutilize drugs, we use them indiscriminately, and we don't use them responsibly. And that's something that I'm trying to change in my life and my practice and what I believe in. Some people have chronic Lyme and actually test positive for various other autoimmune diseases and get treated for those diseases. Do you think that they should actually be treated for them or is it just a byproduct of a weak immune system? When they're treating autoimmune disease the way that they do it, they're treating the processes of the disease, not the underlying causes of the disease. And you cannot, cannot make someone well treating processes. The most you're going to ever get is a state of managed illness. I think that's really important to understand. Um, I've seen so many people with, you know, MS, uh, autoimmune diseases, anything, 
and and you change their life, you change their diet, you change what they're doing, you get them on a good regimen of herbal therapy, and you know, and not to exclude the drugs because sometimes the drugs are important. But if you build that found, if you get them to build that foundation, their chances of getting back to a state of symptom-free wellness are are radically much higher than if they do just the conventional route. So, but when you talk about autoimmune disease, I mean, there are more and more ties between the autoimmune diseases and the microbes, these intercellular cellular stealth microbes, mycoplasma, chlamydia, um, so many others. You know, what they're doing, you have to, you have to ask what's going on here? What does the microbe want? Well, the microbe wants nutrients and resources from the body and it's got to get through the immune system to get them. And what's really interesting about these stealth microbes is their ability to manipulate the immune system by infecting white blood cells. This is a key characteristic of all of these microbes that they can infect cells. So they infect white blood cells. Um, they can infect other cells of the body. So, so what do they do? If, what's the first thing they do when they infect a cell? Well, they turn off the ability of that cell to flag itself as abnormal. Because if that, because the normal process is the cell would put out a flag. It would put out, it would start waving a flag and saying, hey, I'm defective. Come and eliminate me. All right? So, so the microbes stop that from happening because they want to use that cell. Makes sense, right? But eventually, the body catches up with it and starts making antibodies to try to get rid of that cell. Um, so you can't tell me that that's not the mechanism that's going on with autoimmune disease. When we're making auto, when we're making antibodies to our own cells, when we're trying to, to, to eliminate our own cells, there has to be a driving force. And I can't think of any other force on the planet besides these intercellular microbes that could cause that. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's you know, and, and you can get into the deep science, which would take hours of explanation, but even looking at it in a nutshell, it, it has to make some sense, you know? I'm also curious to get your feedback on hyperthermic treatment. Putting your body into a comatose state and increasing its temperature seems really dangerous. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I have known a variety of people. I did a tour of the Northeast and did lectures a couple of years ago in the Northeast, and there were all these people that were flying to Germany to get hyperthermia. And I researched yeah. it, and, you know, the foundation of it is correct, yes. You know, high heat does uh, create an environment that, that isn't uh, good for the microbes. You can do the same thing with high oxygen. You know, these are anaerobic microbes. They don't like oxygen. Not all of them. You know, some intercellular microbes do fine with oxygen, but Borrelia in particular does not. So ozone, uh, hyperbaric oxygen, hyperthermia, all these things are radical therapies directed at killing the microbe. Um, and on the whole list, like I said, put everything on the table we we don't want to exclude anything, and maybe that goes on the table, but you've got to ask, okay, how much does it cost, and how much is it going to stress my body? Well, it's going right. to stress your body a whole, whole, whole lot. 
And um, so typically what I've seen with people that are doing these kinds of things is is they're jumping from one heroic therapy to the next, you know. Yeah. They fly to Germany. They spend all this money getting the hyper hyperthermia, and they do feel better for a while, but then they go right back to where they were, and they get worse and worse. So they go, oh, man, i got to jump on the plane and go do it again. So they do it again, or they go do ozone, or they do some other heroic thing to – thrash their body and kill that microbe and each time they do it they get it worse and worse and worse because they're stressing the heck out of their body and their pocketbook um so you know the the, the thing i do and, and i put a a diagram of a pyramid in the book that i put um you know divided the pyramid up to three three little uh three spaces so the top of the pyramid is a small triangle and the second part is, is is a little bit bigger and then you've got this big base of the pyramid right so heroic therapies i put in that little top part symptomatic therapies things that just treat symptoms but don't progress you back to wellness i put in the second tier so and then the third tier is this restorative therapy with herbs and diet and all of that sort of thing um so they all have our place. Let's put everything on the table, all right? Right. So why not use, like, you know, why not use the herbs and do all the things you can to build that restorative base before you go to this other stuff instead of jumping from one thing to another to another? Um, it just doesn't make any sense. So that's something I try to guide people to do is spend your money, spend your time, spend your effort on building a restorative foundation. And if that doesn't get you quite where you want to do, um, then consider some of these other things. And in the meantime, you know, you're going to have symptoms of not being able to sleep or in bad pain. Um, you may have to rely on some stronger therapies during those times. But um, but trying to, you know, have the thought of moving away from those things as you get well. Um, right. So... If you're just doing heroic therapies and symptomatic therapies, the chances of you actually getting well are very, very, very small. So yeah, my, build that restorative base first. Right. My, my impression of what, what you're, you know, or my interpretation of what you're describing here is those heroic therapies like ozone therapy, um, you know, and, and things like that and the, the um, you know, the heating up your body and, and, and all those things, those really are, are going to really reduce the, the, I guess, the quantity of the, the bacteria, but it really never goes away. And then once you have those life stressors again, then you get sick because you really, you're never going to get rid of them. And you have to work at, from the base up and really treat your body as a whole and treat your immune system to strengthen your immune system to let your body do what it, it, it was, you know, kind of created to do sort of, sort of process. And, and um, and that's Absolutely. why you're recommending the herbal treatment at, at the base, the root. Let's treat the root, the cause here to to help our bodies really heal and 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 move forward. Not just do these radical therapies that may give us some short-term relief, but then our life stressors hit again and boom, we're sick again, kind of thing. Absolutely, absolutely. And yep. What the the last, and I know this has been such a great discussion, Dr. Rose. The last thing is is we had uh, one one uh, follower that we we spoke with who used stem cell therapy, actually from an uh, umbilical cord stem cells, and had pretty good success. And she said, actually, it changed her life. Do you have any, any thoughts or feedback on stem cell treatments for Lyme disease? Um, I think that's one, uh, you, you know, when we look at the heroic therapies out there, 
I think that is something that has a lot of promise. Whether you're using your own stem cells that you acquire from the, the from fatty fit tissue, from adipose tissue, or stem cells from from umbilical, um, you know, I, I think there's a high potential that these things could help. All right, and and the reason is because it infuses new DNA, new mitochondrial DNA into your network of cells, and it it basically gives you a restoration of, uh, of new abilities. So like I said, all the cells in our body are aging except our stem cells, which are in just this state of stasis that they're just there. And, and we don't have that many stem cells in our body. You know, basically you have stem cells in your body um, in case you are injured and it can just do some basic, you know, it provides a new cell line to start from scratch to do those repairs. But um, so, you know, you don't have enough stem cells to grow grow whole organs or whole tissues or anything else. Um, so it's um, so, but if you take a concentration of stem cells, um, like I, I see a lot of promise in, um, uh, you know, it, it could, uh, could eliminate the need for joint replacements at some point to inject stem cells into joints, um, possibly injecting them into blood to revive the immune system, to give you new cells to work with so your immune system can rebuild itself. So I think there's a lot of promise there, but there's a lot we don't know um, that I still think we've got to learn. So I, I think that's going to be an evolving science, one that's very important. Um, unfortunately, our politics in this country have pretty much shut down most research and use of it in this country, so most of it's going on outside of this country. But I think it has a lot of potential promise, a lot of potential promise. Um, I haven't done it myself because I can't afford it. <laughs> it's really expensive. Um, but um, but maybe, you know, maybe when the cost comes down and uh, we understand it a little bit better, it's one of those things that I think compared to so many other things has less risk um, and a high potential for benefit. But uh, right now the cost is pretty prohibitive. Right. Now you mentioned the, um, you know, your mitochondrial, uh, you know, effect. And, and one, of, one of the things that uh, we've also heard about is protandum. Uh, they call it like the, the little yellow pill uh, or the magic yellow pill, I think they call it. Do you have any, any experience with that? There, there are some people out there who have, have been suffering for quite a while with chronic Lyme and take the protandum, and they say that it really helps them heal. And I, I'm not sure if it really just helps their immune system recover or what the impact is, but just curious what your thoughts are on, on uh, protandum, if you have any, any background with that either. Hmm. You might have got me on that one. Spell it. No. Uh, P-R-O-T-A-N-D-U-M, actually. Um, yeah, I think it's... P-R-O-T-A-N... Yes, that was the last. Uh, yeah, P-R-O-T-A-N-D-U-M. Oh, actually, I spelled it wrong. It's P-R-O-T-A-N-D-I-M. I just did a quick Google search for it. Yeah, protandum. You got me on that one. Yeah, it's some sort of NRS. Uh, technology or NRS medical, uh, and again, I don't know much about it. I just have heard that people have used it for chronic Lyme and have had some, some success. Uh, and, Interesting. And, you know, the, the, is, is it is it prescription? 
No, actually, you can buy it. Um, you can buy it online. It, it's just, uh, I guess, it's more, it's more natural. And if you pull it up, it, it, it's, I think it's all actually herbs. It's, there's really no, um, uh, there's really nothing like a, you know, prescription or, or pharmaceutical to it. And I'm trying to pull it up here just to see. Uh, I think one of the ingredients is like uh, is green tea. It's a combination of um, green tea with with uh, other oh, herbs. Okay. Like your proprietary blend. Oh, okay. Uh, all right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Now, now I see what you're talking about. It's just an herbal supplement. Um, it's got milk thistle, bacopa, ashwagandha, green tea, and turmeric. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. You know, it, it, milk thistle is a nice herb for the liver. Bacopa is a great herb for brain. Uh, we actually use these these same herbs in many of our products. Um, uh, so bacopa is, is a really nice herb. It has some mild sedative properties, and it affects choline in the brain, so it actually enhances brain function. Some really nice studies in dementia patients and uh, patients with ADD showing boosted performance with bacopa. Ashwagandha is one of my favorite herbs. Um, it's a really good restorative um, uh, adaptogen. So that's one that we use in our products. Green tea um, has some really nice products. They don't have much green tea, and they put a little bit of turmeric. So I'd say the main active component of that product is probably the ashwagandha and bacopa more than anything else. Uh, what you don't have there is very much in the of antimicrobial properties. Um, if you look at our total package, it's got 10 times more good stuff in it. Um, you know, it, it doesn't – ashwagandha has some antimicrobial properties, and all herbs have a little bit. Turmeric has a little bit. But compare these with cat's claw, andrographis, uh, sarsaparilla, uh, Crippolepis, uh, Alcornia, a lot of neem, a lot of the other classic antimicrobial herbs, you're just not going to have quite as much. Um, but people feel better because of the ashwagandha and bacopa. They probably okay. sleep a little bit better. So, yeah, so, so we're already using these particular herbs in our products. Wow. Um, well, Dr. This is this has been so helpful. I mean, you've given us so much information, and I think so many people who are going to be listening to this are just going to benefit from hearing you speak about the various therapies. That, you know, as you define them as being the heroic therapies versus, um, you know, your your restorative therapies, and and really understanding that you know the the targeting kill approach may not be ideal for something like Lyme disease, where you can just hit it with an antibiotic and, and kill the bacteria. You have to sort of take a holistic approach and rebuild your, your health by strengthening your immune system so it can keep the Lyme bacteria in check. And in reality, we may never be able to get rid of those, the, you know, the, the Lyme bacteria in our bodies, but we can strengthen our bodies to uh, ha- live a healthy life and keep the, the pathogens in check is really the, the takeaway we're getting through the use of, of herbal treatments, diet treatments, and also trying to keep your stress factors down to a minimum in combination with herbs. Um, is there any, any final thoughts you'd like to add or advice you'd like to give to our listeners that are, that are suffering, that are, that are um, really having trouble with their health because of chronic Lyme disease? Uh, yeah, thank you. And, 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 again, thank you for the opportunity. I love doing these kinds of talks because I think it's important that this point of view and this information gets out there. And, it, and it's something that I've really spent a lot of time researching. But, it's, uh, yeah, moving away from that idea of I've got to kill these microbes, I've got to eradicate the microbes to get well, and moving toward the idea of 
living a symptom-free life as a target. And what I can tell you is at age 50, I'd had just about every uh, symptom of Lyme disease in the book. I had severe cardiac involvement. I had all the neurological symptoms. And I'm sitting now at age 61 after over 10 years of herbs, and I'm finally reaching that state of looking at life and going, you know, I may not be kicking quite as well as I was when I was 20 or 30, but I'm living a symptom-free life. And that is something that's a worthwhile goal. It really is. Right. right. No, absolutely. Now, if our listeners want to learn more about you, Dr. Rolls, and what you could offer to potentially help them, you know, where, where can they go? Do you have any, do you have any resources online, um, and anything that they can do to learn more about you and potentially about uh, herbal therapies that you would recommend? Sure. Um, well, you know, we have a company that sells herbal supplements and programs and protocols um, that's very important. And the, the best way to connect with that um, is and, and get information is my website, rawlsmd.com, R-A-W-L-S-M-D.com. Um, and that can indirectly get you to the site uh, with everything else because it's really odd because of uh, the way FDA and FTC regulations are set up. I can't mention any products or or anything on our primary site. It's it's really kind of crazy. Um, but you That's can get there if you look for it. And, and definitely think about the book. Um, I spent a lot of time really putting a, a good point of view and lots of valuable information. Um, it's across the board, you know, that covers the antibiotics and the drugs and the herbs and everything in the in my book, Unlocking Lyme. Um, so it's, uh, I think, a worthwhile investment. And your book is available through your website as well, is that correct? Through the website, it's on Amazon. It's pretty easy to find. Um, and we have we do a lot of webinars, and one of the things we do periodically just to get it out there and make it available to everybody is we'll do free book giveaways. So, yeah, tune in for some of our webinars. They're always good information. Um, I have a myth-busting wet Lyme disease webinar coming up on uh, next week. Uh, oh, wow. So next Wednesday night, myth-busting Lyme disease. Um, so we'll talk about a lot of these things, and actually the studies that show, the studies that prove that some of the things that you're hearing are not necessarily correct. Right, right. And now now I know that many people are, are generally are, are hesitant and have some concerns about starting new protocols. So if they had questions there, you have resources available to speak and, and, and with these these our, our listeners and guide them through the process um, and really, you know, give them the information they need to feel comfortable about, uh, you know, taking your recommended herbal protocol. Is, is that correct? Is, do you have, you have staff on hand for that? I personally train our customer service people. They are the best in the business. Um, I can state that very comfortably. Um, and, uh, you know, they can't answer medical questions and that sort of thing, but yes. they help guide people in a lot of different ways. And we also help ha- have health coaches that can guide people through this process too. Wow. Well, that's a great resource to, to put out there. That's great to know. Well, Dr. Rolls, thank you again. I know this has been over a uh, two-hour discussion, but it was just shocking <laughs> information, and I really can't thank you enough. I mean, such valuable, valuable oh, absolutely my pleasure. information. And 
it really has truly been a pleasure. So once again, Dr. Rowe, thank you so much for being on our podcast. I'm going to let Rich take it from here and, uh, you know, put out the conclusion. And it really has been an honor speaking with you, and it, it's just been such a great experience. So thank you again, Dr. Rolls. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity. It's good to talk to you guys. Hope to meet you in person sometime. Thank you for listening to our three-part marathon with Dr. Bill Rawls, MD. To our listeners, we have a call to action. First, if you would like to learn more about Dr. Rawls, please visit his website at RawlsMD.com. Second, if you enjoyed this Dr. Rawls marathon, please share it with your friends by using the social media buttons you see at the bottom of the post. Third, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, or Spotify to get the automatic episode updates for our Tick Bootcamp podcast. And finally, please take a minute to leave us an honest review and rating on iTunes or our website. We make it a point to read every single one of the reviews we get. Thank you for listening.